from the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict, chapter the 7th, De Unilitate, continued. The tenth degree of humility is that he be not easily moved and prompt to laughter, because it is written, The fool lifteth up his voice in laughter. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. The ninth, tenth, and eleventh degrees of humility are three aspects of a single proposition. Saint Benedict would have us understand that humility and pride are in the power of a man's tongue. Saint James says, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. He is able also with a bridle to lead about the whole body. For if we put bits into the mouths of horses, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also ships, whereas they are great and are driven by strong winds, yet they are turned about with a small helm, whithersoever the force of the governor willeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how a small fire kindleth the great wood. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is placed among our members, which defileth the whole body, and inflameth the wheel of our nativity, being set on fire by hell. For every nature of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of the rest, is tamed and hath been tamed by the nature of man. But the tongue no man can tame, an unquiet evil full of deadly poison. By it we bless God and the Father, and by it we curse men who are made after the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth out of the same hold sweet and bitter water? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear grapes, or the vine figs? So neither can the salt water yield sweet. Who is a wise man, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show, by a good conversation, his work in the meekness of wisdom. If you would be humble, control your tongue. If you would control your tongue, give place to Christ in your thoughts. If you would give place to Christ in your thoughts, fill your heart with the Word of God, because what goes in comes out. A good man, our Lord says, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Attend to the liturgical providence of God. Tomorrow we have the Feast of the Great Reparation, as it is called. Uh, but were it not the Thursday of Sexagesima, it would be the Feast of the Most Pure Heart of Mary. Which feast I always connect with this saying of our Lord, a good man out of the good treasure 
of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Uh, this is um, uh, true in, in the most complete and exemplary way when we apply this word of our Lord to his most holy mother. For what did she bring forth from the good treasure of her immaculate heart? Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. Do whatsoever he tells you. So that word of the Lord applies uh, to the immaculate heart of Mary. Silence and humility become the virtues of predilection of souls who approach the most pure heart of Mary and who linger in her company. The Feast of the Most Pure Heart of Mary as instituted by St. Jean Eudes on February 8, 1642, later adopted by Mother Mechthild and her Benedictines, the feast falls within the octave of the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It becomes thus a liturgical rumination of the prophecy of Simeon, and at the same time of the two Lucan verses concerning the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and for the resurrection of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be contradicted. And thy own soul a sword shall pierce, that out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed. And, but Mary kept all these words, pondering them in her heart, and again, and his mother kept all these words in her heart. St. Benedict tells us that certain things are incompatible with humility. Of course, St. Benedict also has in mind the Roman virtue of gravitas. Gravitas is a manly virtue. Um, the Romans held in high esteem the, uh, the gentleman, if you will, uh, who uh, expressed himself with uh, gravity of demeanor. This doesn't mean in a gloomy way. Uh, it means with what uh, Blessed Schuster uh, calls in his commentary on the Holy Rule, signorilità. Signorilità means gentlemanliness. Uh, so for St. Benedict, this, of course, is important. And um, the gentleman does not indulge in boisterous or sarcastic laughter in talking that is disproportionately loud or in talking that is inflated by the need to affirm oneself and impose one's thoughts on others. All these things are indicators of pride. A sure cure for these things is a man's intimacy with the most pure heart of Mary. One cannot live in the presence of Mary without growing in the practice of humility and silence. In this regard, the rosary is a school of humility and silence. Not only does the rosary, as Father Marie-Joseph Lagrange once said, decapitate pride, it also opens the door of an interior cloister 
that is perfectly silent, giving access to the ortus conclusus, that is the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, as a commentary on the 9th, 10th, and 11th degrees of humility, I recommend Cardinal Sarah's book, The Power of Silence. We have it in the library, do we not? Uh, I think so. We have it in other books. Yeah, if you would put it on the, on the table. Um, the book is suffused with the spirit of St. Benedict. Cardinal Sarah is very marked by um, Benedictine monasticism. He says as much in the introduction to the book. Uh, um, he writes, silence is not an idea. It is the path that enables human beings to go to God. God is silence, and this divine silence dwells within a human being. By living with the silent God, and in him we ourselves become silent. Mother MacTilde would say, by living with the silence of the host, we ourselves become silent. And Cardinal Sarah, nothing will more readily make us discover God than this silence inscribed at the heart of our being. I am not afraid to state, says the Cardinal, that to be a child of God is to be a child of silence. And Mother MacTilde would say that to be uh, uh, in some way a child of the host, one who, who bears resemblance to the host, is to be a child of silence. Um, according to our statutes, you must prepare for me this week your Lenten tickets. Um, please write them on a suitable piece of paper, um, presenting to me uh, the list of penances and practices that you propose to undertake during Lent. I will amend the list as I see fit, and return it to each of you with a blessing uh, in uh, quinquagesima week. So I must have your Lenten tickets no later than Saturday. So write out for me the list of um, things you propose to do in the way of um, additional practices of prayer, uh, mortification, um, uh, any penances uh, that you propose to undertake, and I will review your list and give it back to you um, after Quinquagesima Sunday. But I must have your Lenten tickets no later than Saturday. Write them out and slip them under the door of my office, if you would. Uh, our statutes, number 126, um, reads, each year, no later than Sexagesima Sunday, the monks will write out and submit to the prior a list of penances that they propose to undertake during Lent. The prior will amend the list as he sees fit and return it to each brother with a blessing in the days preceding Lent. So then, by Saturday, and I will give it to you um, after Quinquagesima Sunday.